After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We've got another great show for you today. We're breaking down the national system. And to do that, we're joined by Lacey Lusk. Lacey did the Nationals top 10 for us, as he's done for many, many years. Knows this system and this organization inside and out, top to bottom. Lacey, the Nationals obviously won the World Series in 2019. A thrilling accomplishment for the team, for the franchise, for the city. This was a really good team that kept falling short. They finally broke through in a really dramatic fashion, both the way they beat the Dodgers in the NLDS and how they beat the Astros in Game 7 of the World Series. 2020 was a bit of a come down, to say the least. Obviously an abnormal season. They finished tied for last in the NL East. Steven Strasburg barely pitched with injury. Max Scherzer and Patrick Corbin were not as sharp. They lost Anthony Rendon in free agency. They expected Carter Keeboom to come up and replace him. He struggled. So a lot of things did not go according to plan. Trey Turner and Juan Soto were still spectacular, but obviously it wasn't enough to put the Nationals back in the postseason, even with an expanded playoff field. When you look at where the Nationals sit right now, top to bottom, what's in the majors, what's in the farm system, how do you kind of assess where they stand moving forward? They have taken a, a step back since winning the four division titles and obviously the wild card in the World Series in 2019. Uh, but the same uh, cast of leadership is on hand. So I have faith that they can uh, get back up there. Although right now, certainly the Braves are the team to beat. The Marlins are on the rise and the Mets have uh, you know, brought about all this enthusiasm with their new owner. But uh, the Nationals, as long as they have those top three pitchers they have, I, I think they're contenders as well. Yeah, anytime you can roll out Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg, and again, there are still some position players here. We've talked about Soto. We've talked about Turner. Luis Garcia did some promising things as a rookie. Victor Robles was not very good last year, but he's still young and can play the heck out of center field. So they have some pieces. But we saw they also had a lot of veterans kind of age out, not do so well. You know, one thing that we always have to keep in mind is in order to win a World Series, you are going to have to trade some prospects that hurt in the long term to get some guys who are critical for you in the short term. The Nationals traded Jesus Lazardo in order to get Sean Doolittle a few years back. They traded Lucas Giolito and Dane Dunning in order to go get Adam Eaton a few years back. And the truth is they don't win the World Series without those guys. Just right now, it hurts a little bit because Giolito has blossomed into an ace. Lazardo has looked very, very good in Oakland, and Dane Dunning had a nice debut. So, again, it's one of those things where short-term gain, it's going to hurt in the long term sometimes. But, again, they don't win the World Series without those guys that they acquired. And at the end of the day, that's the point of all this. Exactly. So they are left in a bit of a bind now where a lot of their top talent is still, I would say, in the lower minors. But, um, you know, they have – a couple holes in the big leagues that they're still hoping Carter Keyboom fills one. And uh, I'm sure they'll make a couple moves this off season to address uh, a, 
other spots. Yeah, they've been rumored to be open to a potential trade for Chris Bryant. Obviously, there's a lot of things to consider this year with just the revenue losses that came from a season of having no fans, but we'll see what the Nationals do. Lacey, I want to dive into this farm system. As we've talked about, they've graduated a lot of talent in recent years. Again, Soto, Robles, Turner, they acquired in a trade, but really came up through their system in the upper levels. Keyboom and Garcia made their debuts last year. So even though the farm system is pretty lean right now, it's for the right reasons. Again, they brought up a bunch of key guys and they traded some other guys to get pieces to help them win the World Series. Two pitchers at the top, Cade Cavalli, their first round pick this year, and Jackson Rutledge, their first round pick last year, took the top two spots. I spoke to some outside evaluators who saw these guys in structs and said, it's neck and neck. I mean, they could be 1A, 1B. Ultimately, how did you kind of separate out Cavalli's number one and Rutledge's number two in this system? It took a while, to be honest. Uh, slept on it, I'd say, more than one night uh, between those two exactly. Uh, Rutledge, of course, has been in the system uh, since the 2019 draft uh, and has maybe a little bit better fastball, but then Cavalli has four-plus pitches, better control, and uh, in the end, I went with him. I asked several people within the organization, a couple with that outside, and um, they were split as well. A couple wouldn't even answer. Uh, that's how close those two are together. But I ended up going with Cavalli, but it could just as easily be Rutledge. Uh, we had a, a similar thing last year where you asked me about Keyboom and Garcia. And last year, it was pretty much Keyboom. But then when you look at the years they had, maybe it should have been Garcia. So just because one is one now and one is two, it, it really is a matter of just what they can put out on the field. And it is a good problem to have. Two really good pitchers trying to figure out who's one, who's two. And by all means, these two are big physical power pitchers who opposing scouts like, the Nationals obviously like, amateur scouts like them out of the draft, pro scouts like what they've seen in pro ball, albeit for Cavalli. Once again, it's a very short sample. It's just mm -hmm. instructs because there was no minor league season this year. We did see, for the most part, the Nationals, this great rotation that helped them win a World Series, was mostly acquired. Strasburg obviously was a number one overall pick back in 2009, but Scherzer signed as a free agent. Corbin signed as a free agent. Anibal Sanchez brought in as well. Some of their homegrown guys, Eric Fetty, Austin Voth, haven't quite lived up to hopes and expectations so realistically, what are we looking at with these two? Because again, most of the Nationals' pitching success, aside from Strasburg, who was drafted over a decade ago now, did have to come from the free agent market. What's the likelihood of these guys developing and reaching their potential ceilings in the national system? And what are those ceilings? That's, I think it's more likely, and the ceilings are higher than uh, the combination of both Eric Fetty, Joe Ross, uh, I mean, Joe Ross was in that Trey Turner deal as well, but uh, Fetty was a first-round pick, but Cavalli and Rutledge uh, also first-rounders, higher ceilings than both for sure. Um, so I'd say they, if they meet their potential, they'll certainly be more along the lines of a two-three starter uh, instead of just someone they're trying to fill in at the back end as they've done with both and with Joe Ross who opted out last year and is uh, going to be back this coming season. Um, but yeah, there's a chance that they would give them what they've been missing in, in the past decade, as you mentioned. 
Yeah, I know these are two pitchers a lot of people are excited to see in the coming year. And from a farm system perspective, this is what to watch with the Nationals. We just have to see how it all plays out. Again, Rutledge came from junior college, not a ton of pro experience. Cavalli, of course, has yet to pitch in an official game. So you never really know until a guy has to go out there and hold their stuff over a full minor league season. But these are big boys with a lot of stuff, and there's certainly some reason to be excited. Lacey, these were the clear top two in the system, and as you discussed, it realistically could have gone either way. It does feel like there's a pretty big gap here between these two guys and the rest of the system. Take me through what was kind of the next tier of guys, if you will. Yeah, looking, uh, let's say three through six, maybe eight, could all be in that tier. Uh, Cole Henry, the right-hander, also from this year's draft. Andre Lara, another big right-hander. Yasel Antuna, the infielder. Uh, Jeremy De La Rosa, an outfielder, are, are certainly in that next tier. And then I think probably seven and eight are their own tier with uh, the lefty, Tim Kate, a more pitchability guy with a great curveball. Uh, Eddie Yeen has the size and has uh, the build of some of the guys above him, just doesn't have the experience. So they were kind of slotted more seven and eight behind those uh, four that I mentioned. Yeah, I want to dive into this group because it's very, very different. You have Cole Hendry, a college right-hander. You have some international signees who have yet to see full-season ball. The most intriguing guy is Yasiel Antuna. He was a big-name signee when the Nationals signed him back in 2016. Just has had injury after injury after injury. But we saw some good things from him at the alternate training site. Or I should say the reports were good from the alternate (laughs) training site. We weren't able to see it for ourselves. Where is he right now in his development? And realistically, what should Nationals fans expect at this point? Yeah, we, uh, that's a good correction there. We didn't actually see it, but we, uh, the reports are that he showed power, showed speed, was, uh, perhaps capable of staying at shortstop, um, signed for $3.85 million. Uh, and they've, had some, they've certainly hit on some international signings, uh, and he's the along with Lara, one they're really confident can break through once he stays healthy. Uh, he was sent to the Dominican Republic this uh, offseason, was supposed to play for Lise. Uh, they've had an outbreak with coronavirus. I believe he's had a, a family, um, a death in the family as well. I think I saw his mother passed away. Um, I read a tweet, uh, and that's how it translated anyway. And um, he hadn't really played down there, um, but just the experience of being with older players again, as he was all summer in Fredericksburg, um, should help his development, but he, he needs to get out there and have a, a full season in the minor leagues before we really uh, you know, can believe what the reports that we're hearing. Yeah, and this is one of the most challenging things of trying to evaluate prospects this season is you just have to go off of what was seen and heard at a very, very unusual setting where guys were seeing the same pitchers over and over again, day after day. A lot of cases, teams did not have enough position players to play actual full inner squads. You had coaches playing first base and left field. So it's hard to know what to make of it because on one hand, he's having success against upper level guys who have triple A time or major league time. On the other hand, it's not a real season. It, it's one of the more difficult things to try and do this year. 
what was it about what you were hearing about Antuna gave you the confidence that, you know, he should rank this high? Uh, just how uniform it was in the people I talked to um, and a couple scouts uh, who have, were able to see some of the video from uh, Fredericksburg. Uh, they're believers in the bat for sure, um, both with power and uh, hitting potential for hit hit for average tool. Yeah, he's going to be another one of those players. I think a lot of people will be curious to see what he looks like once we have a minor league season, hopefully in 2021. He's followed by a couple of other international signees, Andrew Lara and Jeremy De La Rosa. And again, we're talking about very, very young kids. History tells us not all these guys are going to make it, but they do have some promise. Um, what was it about these two that stood out? Yeah, De La Rosa uh, showed not just power, but really just a couple of the shots he hit at the new ballpark in Fredericksburg this summer were uh, more prodigious power. So he's got that kind of capability, still such a young guy, uh, but it's in there. So we'll, we'll see what develops there. Uh, and then Lara has a fastball, a slider, a change that are all plus. Uh, he's also a young guy, but he's... Um, he pitches like he's a little older than that. Yeah, again, very, very young players with a long way to go. But we've seen the Nationals have a lot of success in their international program. Again, all I have to do is look at that outfield and see Juan Soto and Victor Robles to know that there's a track record here. More often than not, you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. You mentioned that this was kind of the second tier. You mentioned you could throw Tim Kate and Eddie Yeen in there at 7-8, but 7-10 to 10 group, it's an interesting mix of guys. Again, Yeen, another very young international signee. Mason Denenberg, who was a high school pick, has not been able to stay healthy. Then you have Tim Kate and Will Crow, who are more advanced guys, have pitched in the upper levels. Crow made his debut this year. How interchangeable is this group, and ultimately how did you suss it out? It's uh, you know, it's fairly interchangeable. It's hard to tell with Denneberg, uh, just because he has never been healthy. But he has the as a pro anyway, with about twenty innings pitched in the minor leagues. But he has the plus arm, and uh, so obviously you could see him rocketing right up if he were healthy for a whole season. But uh, that has to happen first. And um, Will Crow got to the big leagues this year. Uh, the Nationals. I kind of wish he had trusted their stuff, his stuff a little bit more than he did. Uh, it seemed to me like he was uh, pretty confident. And I, I, the one I was able to actually attend even during the um, coronavirus, the uh, a doubleheader against the Marlins where he debuted against Sixto Sanchez. And uh, he obviously doesn't have that kind of stuff, but he uh, battled out there and, and uh, dueled with them for a while. And, and, had the confidence to say, Hey, I'll be back. We'll have these matchups again. So that I, I felt that was a sign of confidence. And they think uh, the club officials I talked to would like to see him kind of show that more uh, with his stuff. A lot of it is kind of 50 across the board. The changeup could be a little better than that. But uh, so he's, I would say kind of your typical back end of the top 10 guy. Uh, and then right behind him, uh, Matt Cronin, a left-hander who pitched out of the bullpen, could have a higher upside. But again, he's a reliever and 
Crow um, is still starting. Yeah, Cronin got some really, really good reports in Instructional League. Was he the only other guy that was really in consideration for this top 10, or were there some other guys? Yeah, some guys garnered a little bit, but Cronin was definitely kind of the 11 to make 10 there. Uh, and then Drew Mendoza, Jackson Clough, uh, who had been in the organization for a year and impressed, um, are still in that next group. Uh, Sammy Infante from this year's draft, they like a lot. and. Uh, could well be in the top 10 next year. And uh, Seth Romero, who also made his debut this year and uh, showed some maturity and uh, had never actually pitched above low A ball, but uh, debuted in the big leagues. And then uh, unfortunately had another injury when he fell down some steps, but um, he was backed by instructional league and they're still high on him. So I also, so those 15, the, the 10 that are the top 10, along with Cronin, Mendoza, Clough, Infante, and Romero, um, well, all had some consideration there. You mentioned Seth Romero. We hit on Mason Denenberg. The Nationals have gone very, very pitching heavy with their first round picks. Going back to 2012, every single one of their first round selections was a pitcher except for Carter Keboom. And again, we've seen some hits, Giolito and Dunninger in that group, though they obviously were traded. Eric Finney has gotten to the big leagues, did okay last year, but has not established himself as the starter. The Nationals hoped he would. Seth Romero has reached the majors. There's a lot of question marks there. And, and now we have to see if Denenberg can stay healthy, what Rutledge and Cavalli can do. So they've definitely invested in starting pitching and they have had some hits. You know, when you look at Romero and, and also Denenberg, I mean, realistically, what can the Nationals expect from these two guys? Just again, Romero has a long history of injuries and off the field issues. Denenberg, as you mentioned, has not stayed healthy and did not pitch well when he was. What are we looking at with these two guys at this point? Uh, realistically, probably back into the rotation or uh, key arms in the bullpen. Um, but you know, sometimes people out pitch what uh, we see as realistic, but I'd say that's more or less where, where each of those guys will end up. Young pitching can go so many different ways, up, down. So we have to see how these guys develop and we'll see what the long-term future is for both of them, as well as the system as a whole. Lacey, one of the big questions here, again, the point of all this is to win games at the major league level. Given what the Nationals have in the major leagues right now, we've talked about that really promising top group, the top three in the rotation and some star position players. And given what they have in the farm system right now, is that going to be enough for them to not only return to the postseason, but have a decade similar to what they had last decade where they were a perennial contender and ultimately a World Series champion? I think that's going to be tough to, to back it up with another decade of similar success. Uh, it'll take some retooling, uh, for the next year. I mean, if they have this rotation intact, whoever, if they were to bring back Annabelle Sanchez or get someone of that ilk, um, in the four spot, then they're, you never know what could happen with the rotation like that. And with Turner and Soto, uh, there's no reason they couldn't contend, but I wouldn't make them a favorite. Um, but I, they're nowhere near the hole they were when they were, you know, at the bottom of all the organizations when Jim Bowden was the GM and they uh, pretty much had no one, you know, very small staff. And, and this is a whole different story. All the same people who have led them 
to become a World Series champion, the GM Mike Rizzo's scouting side with Chris Klein and Mark Shalaba, uh, the farm director, and Johnny DePuglia, uh, the international scouting director. They're all still there. Um, I mean, I think there may be some bumps where it's more like around a 500 club, but uh, they're certainly capable of coming out of it as an annual contender again. And again, the farm system is going to be near the bottom of Baseball America's organization talent rankings. But again, it's for the right reasons, because they graduated a lot of their top prospects to the majors. They traded some other really good prospects to get established big leaguers and won a World Series. Again, that's the point of everything. The fact that the Nationals system's a little lean right now means everything worked. And now it's just going to take some time to build it back up. We'll see what they're able to do, both in the major leagues and in uh, further drafts and international signing periods moving forward. Lacey, any final thoughts here? Yeah, I'm sure they'll get creative. And uh, they would certainly argue that they are not uh, at the bottom and that some of these guys who are younger that especially some of the international guys, some of the arms. There's some of the outfielders uh, like a Daniel Marte or Rusmar Quintana who, um, you know, we don't talk much about, but they think very highly of and, and we'll see uh, just how many of those guys hit in the next few years. I will say no team ever thinks they're at the <laughs> bottom of the organizational talent rankings, but you're right. All it takes is a couple of sleepers to really pop up and all of a sudden a system that looks like it only has – two or three impact guys might have five or six. So that's why they play the games and we'll see how these guys all continue to develop. Lacey, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your insight as always. Thanks so much, Kyle. Great to be here. All right, everyone. That'll do it for another edition of the Baseball America Prospect Podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Lacey Lusk, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there.